chapter twenty nine of paul clifford by edward bulwer lytton this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter twenty nine in short isabella i offer you myself heavens cried isabella what do i hear you my lord castle of otranto a novel is like a weather-glass where the man appears out at one time the woman at another variable as the atmosphere the changes of our story now represent lucy to the reader that charming young person who it may be remarked is her father excepted the only unsophisticated and unsullied character in the pages of a story in some measure designed to show in the depravities of character the depravities of that social state wherein characters are formed was sitting alone in her apartment at the period in which we return to her as time and that innate and insensible fund of healing which nature has placed in the bosoms of the young in order that her great law the passing away of the old may not leave too lasting and keen a wound had softened her first anguish at her father's death the remembrance of clifford again resumed its ancient sway in her heart the loneliness of her life the absence of amusement even the sensitiveness and languor which succeed to grief conspired to invest the image of her lover in a tenderer and more impressive guise she recalled his words his actions his letters and employed herself whole hours whole days and nights in endeavouring to decipher their mystery who that has been loved will not acknowledge the singular and mighty force with which a girl innocent herself clings to the belief of innocence in her lover in breasts young and unacquainted with the world there is so pure a credulity in the existence of unmixed good so firm a reluctance to think that where we love there can be that which we would not esteem or where we admire there can be that which we ought to blame that one may almost deem it an argument in favour of our natural power to attain a greater eminence in virtue than the habits and arts of the existing world will allow us to reach perhaps it is not paradoxical to say that we could scarcely believe perfection in others were not the germ of perfectibility in our own minds when a man has lived some years among the actual contests of faction without imbibing the prejudice as well as the experience how wonderingly he smiles at his worship of former idols how different a colour does history wear to him how cautious is he now to praise how slow to admire how prone to cavil human nature has become the human nature of art and he estimates it not from what it may be but from what in the corruptions of a semi-civilization it is but in the same manner as the young student clings to the belief that the sage or the minstrel who has enlightened his reason or chained his imagination is in character as in genius elevated above the ordinary herd free from the passions the frivolities the little meannesses and the darkening vices which ordinary flesh is heir to does a woman who loves for the first time cling to the imagined excellence of him she loves 
when evelina is so shocked at the idea of an occasional fit of intoxication in her noble her unrivalled lover who does not acknowledge how natural were her feelings had evelina been married six years and the same lover then her husband been really guilty of what she suspected who does not feel that it would have been very unnatural to have been shocked in the least at the occurrence she would not have loved him less nor admired him less nor would he have been less the noble and the unrivalled he would have taken his glass too much have joked the next morning on the event and the gentle evelina would have made him a cup of tea but that which would have been a matter of pleasantry in the husband would have been matter of damnation in a lover but to return to lucy if it be so hard so repellent to believe a lover guilty even of a trivial error we may readily suppose that lucy never for a moment admitted the supposition that clifford had been really guilty of gross error or wilful crime true that expressions in his letter were more than suspicious but there is always a charm in the candour of self-condemnation as it is difficult to believe the excellence of those who praise themselves so it is difficult to fancy those criminal who condemn what too is the process of a woman's reasoning alas she is too credulous a physiognomist the turn of a throat with her is the unerring token of nobleness of mind and no one can be guilty of a sin who is blessed with a beautiful forehead how fondly how fanatically lucy loved she had gathered together a precious and secret hoard a glove a pen a book a withered rose-leaf treasures rendered inestimable because he had touched them but more than all had she the series of his letters from the first formal note written to her father meant for her in which he answered an invitation and requested miss brandon's acceptance of the music she had wished to have to the last wild and to her inexplicable letter in which he had resigned her for ever on these relics her eyes fed for hours and as she pored over them and over thoughts too deep not only for tears but for all utterance or conveyance you might have almost literally watched the fading of her rich cheek and the pining away of her rounded and elastic form it was just in such a mood that she was buried when her uncle knocked at her door for admittance she hurried away her treasures and hastened to admit and greet him i have come said he smiling to beg the pleasure of your company for an old friend who dines with us to-day but stay lucy your hair is ill-arranged do not let me disturb so important an occupation as your toilette dress yourself my love and join us lucy turned with a suppressed sigh to the glass the uncle lingered for a few moments surveying her with mingled pride and doubt he then slowly left the chamber lucy soon afterwards descended to the drawing-room and beheld with a little surprise for she had not had sufficient curiosity to inquire the name of the guest the slender form and comely features of lord malevera the earl approached with the same grace which had in his earlier youth rendered him almost irresistible but which now from the contrast of years with manner contained a slight mixture of the comic he paid his compliments and in paying them declared that he must leave it to his friend sir william to explain all the danger he had dared for the sake of satisfying himself 
that miss brandon was no less lovely than when he had last beheld her yes indeed said brandon with a scarcely perceptible sneer lord malever has literally endured the moving accidents of flood and field for he was nearly exterminated by a highwayman and all but drowned in a ditch commend me to a friend for setting one off to the best advantage said malever gaily instead of attracting your sympathy you see brandon would expose me to your ridicule judge for yourself whether i deserve it malever proceeded to give with all the animation which belonged to his character the particulars of that adventure with which the reader is so well acquainted he did not we may be sure feel any scruple in representing himself and his prowess in the most favourable colours the story was scarcely ended when dinner was announced during that meal malever exerted himself to be amiable with infinite address suiting his conversation more than he had hitherto deigned to do to the temper of lucy and more anxious to soften than to dazzle he certainly never before appeared to her so attractive we are bound to add that the point of attraction did not reach beyond the confession that he was a very agreeable old man perhaps if there had not been a certain half melancholy vein in his conversation possibly less uncongenial to his lordship from the remembrance of his lost diamonds and the impression that sir william brandon's cook was considerably worse than his own he might not have been so successful in pleasing lucy as for himself all the previous impressions she had made on him returned in colours yet more vivid even the delicate and subdued cast of beauty which had succeeded to her earlier brilliancy was far more charming to his fastidious and courtly taste than her former glow of spirits and health he felt himself very much in love during dinner and after it was over and lucy had retired he told brandon with a passionate air that he adored his niece to distraction the wily judge affected to receive the intimation with indifference but knowing that too long an absence is injurious to a grand passion he did not keep malever very late over his wine the earl returned rapturously to the drawing-room and besought lucy in a voice in which affectation seemed swooning with delight to indulge him with a song more and more enchanted by her assent he drew the music-stool to the harpsichord placed a chair beside her and presently appeared lost in transport meanwhile brandon with his back to the pair covered his face with his handkerchief and to all appearance yielded to the voluptuousness of an after-dinner repose lucy's song-book opened accidentally at a song which had been praised by clifford and as she sang her voice took a richer and more tender tone than in malever's presence it had ever before assumed the complaint of the violets which lose their scent in may in the shadow that falls from the silent hill we slept in our green retreats and the april showers were wont to fill our hearts with sweets and though we lay in a lowly bower yet all things loved us well and the waking bee left her fairest flower with us to dwell but the warm may came in his pride to woo the wealth of our honeyed store and our hearts just felt his breath and knew their sweets no more and the summer rains on the quiet spot where we dwell and its suns and showers bring balm to our sisters hearts but not ah not to ours we live we bloom but forever o'er is the charm of the earth and sky 
to our life ye heavens that balm restore or bid us die as with eyes suffused with many recollections and a voice which melted away in an indescribable and thrilling pathos lucy ceased her song malever charmed out of himself gently took her hand and holding the soft treasure in his own scarcely less soft he murmured angel sing on life would be like your own music if i could breathe it away at your feet there had been a time when lucy would have laughed outright at this declaration and even as it was a suppressed and half-art smile played in the dimples of her beautiful mouth and bewitchingly contrasted the swimming softness of her eyes drawing rather an erroneous omen from the smile malevra rapturously continued still detaining the hand which lucy endeavoured to extricate yes enchanting miss brandon i who have for so many years boasted of my invulnerable heart am subdued at last i have long very long struggled against my attachment to you alas it is in vain and you behold me now utterly at your mercy make me the most miserable of men or the most enviable enchantress speak really my lord said lucy hesitating yet rising and freeing herself from his hand i feel it difficult to suppose you serious and perhaps this is merely a gallantry to me by way of practice on others sweet lucy if i may so call you answered malevra with an ardent gaze do not i implore you even for a moment affect to mistake me do not for a moment jest at what to me is the bane or bliss of life dare i hope that my hand and heart which i now offer you are not deserving of your derision lucy gazed on her adorer with a look of serious inquiry brandon still appeared to sleep if you are in earnest my lord said lucy after a pause i am truly and deeply sorry for the friend of my uncle i shall always have esteem believe that i am truly sensible of the honour you render me when i add my regret that i can have no other sentiment than esteem a blank and puzzled bewilderment for a moment clouded the expressive features of malevra it passed away how sweet is your rebuke said he yes i do not yet deserve any other sentiment than esteem you are not to be won precipitately a long trial a long course of attentions a long knowledge of my devoted and ardent love alone will entitle me to hope for a warmer feeling in your breast fix then your own time of courtship angelic lucy a week nay a month till then i will not even press you to appoint that day which to me will be the whitest of my life my lord said lucy smiling now no longer half archly you must pardon me for believing your proposal can be nothing but a jest but here i beseech you let it rest for ever do not mention this subject to me again by heavens cried malevra this is too cruel brandon intercede with me for your niece sir william started naturally enough from his slumber and malevra continued yes intercede for me you my oldest friend be my greatest benefactor i sue to your niece she affects to disbelieve will you convince her of my truth my devotion my worship disbelieve you said the bland judge with the same secret sneer that usually lurked in the corners of his mouth i do not wonder that she is slow to credit the honour you have done her and for which the noblest damsels in england have sighed in vain lucy will you be cruel to lord malevra believe me he has often confided to me his love for you and if the experience of some years avails there is not a question of his honour and his truth i leave his fate in your hands brandon turned to the door stay dear sir said lucy 
and instead of interceding for lord malevolor intercede for me her look now settled into a calm and decided seriousness of expression i feel highly flattered by his lordship's proposal which as you say i might well doubt to be gravely meant i wish him all happiness with a lady of higher deserts but i speak from an unalterable determination when i say that i can never accept the dignity with which he would invest me so saying lucy walked quickly to the door and vanished leaving the two friends to comment as they would upon her conduct you have spoiled all with your precipitation said the uncle precipitation darn it what would you have i have been fifty years making up my mind to marry and now when i have not a day to lose you talk of precipitation answered the lover throwing himself into an easy chair but you have not been fifty years making up your mind to marry my niece said brandon dryly to be refused positively refused by a country girl continued malevolor soliloquizing aloud and that too at my age and with all my experience a country girl without rank ton accomplishments by heavens i don't care if all the world heard it for not a soul in the world will ever believe it brandon sat speechless eyeing the mortified face of the courtier with a malicious complacency and there was a pause of several minutes sir william then mastering the strange feeling which made him always rejoice in whatever threw ridicule on his friend approached laid his hand kindly on malevolent's shoulder and talked to him of comfort and of encouragement the reader will believe that malevolent was not a man whom it was impossible to encourage End of chapter twenty nine